Welcome to another episode of the Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This is an inspiring episode because I talk to the poet Azim. From crime to creativity, we're going to hear his story of moving around a lot as a kid, getting involved in all kinds of mischief and uh, crime, and what set his life in a different path and led him to become the writer, hip-hop artist, award-winning slam poet, and traveling the world with his art. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a filmmaker, musician, podcaster, go to the App Store and check out Future Moments because they have an app that will make your life easier. Okay, as always, check out the show notes for links to the guests and uh, links to more stuff. Okay, enjoy this episode. Uh, hope you do. I know I did. All right, we got Azim. Thanks for coming by. Ah, my pleasure. Voted uh, best rapper of the Bay Area in 2004. You've got six hip hop albums. Second best national nationally uh second spoke, best spoken word uh slam poetry slam, slam poetry. poetry spoken word yeah yeah, yeah 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 second best in the nation at one time back in the day when i went under the alias the invisible man oh but now you're visible now now i'm a little bit more visible yeah i got a couple <laughs> pictures on the internet <laughs> you uh also have a memoir that uh is pretty fascinating you got some wild stories in there going to india and ending up in all kinds of uh Sticky situations. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Misfit King, mm-hmm. and um, it's my life story, basically up to a certain point. You know, uh, up to moving to the Bay Area, getting involved in music, and beginning my career. Uh, basically, it begins with me traveling through India uh, under uh, what you might call less than respectable circumstances, and it ends in the same trip in india so the book is has two bookends on it of of india what are these less than respectable circumstances uh okay well (laughs) i was able to travel through india uh, as a well i was the owner of a of a has um, seven years passed are you free from all crimes yeah i'm pretty i don't think i don't think anybody (laughs) from there is going to come after me but i won't i will not say the name of the travel agency (laughs) but um uh i was uh i was the owner of a of a travel agency in san francisco who dealt with high-end clients and what we did was we sent our clients to the Maldives islands for two weeks. However, the Maldives being as beautiful and timeless as it is, 
our clients were getting bored there. So we wanted to send them for a week-long Indian safari where they would get to travel through India and see all the different sites. And we wanted an itinerary that was mapped out and busy and made for them. And that was the story that I was traveling uh, through India on, and a particular, um, which is not completely which, true. <laughs> no, not at all. I was I was struggling to. I was probably on like my second album as, as an underground hip hop artist, uh-huh. and I was far from working with uh, clients in the corporate realm. But it was a great trip, and um, it was just it was just right place, right time. I was connected with a family who had those type of connections. We made fake business cards. They made all the arrangements. I got to India. There was a guy standing there, you know, in a, in a, in a like he looked like a, a ship's captain and he was holding a sign with my name on it. And we got into some Bentley looking car and they drove me to the Nasandra Palace. And from there, I went to the, um, to see the, I went to Agra to see the Taj Mahal mm-hmm. and I had my own scholar and we were going into places in the Taj Mahal that, you know, no other people could go. And he's showing me and giving me the history and reading the walls. And then I took another train and I went to Rishikesh. But wh- why did you tell this story about, uh, being a, with a travel agency? That was how we were, I was able to go through it because this other travel agency basically wanted our high-end clients they said oh you have these high-end clients from the u.s you know let's team up and Mm -hmm. you can send all of your clients to us so we can make money too and this is an example of the trip we will give them Ah. so they i got the the a trip through india of, of a lifetime but uh, it was very scary, and the people constantly wanted to meet with me and talk business, mm-hmm. and I constantly had to come up with excuses why I couldn't meet them, and there were some times that I felt that I might not come back. You felt like they would hold you hostage or something? I didn't know what was going to happen once mm-hmm. they kind of, I, I felt any moment somebody's going to show up in my hotel room and demand some explanations or some money, and neither of which I had. Right. I was broke yeah. at the time. I went, I went to India broke. <laughs> and you got put up in hotels in and everything. All I had to do was pay for food. And how did you? You figure can imagine out? how inexpensive it is. It's really inexpensive. Yeah. How did you figure out how to do this scam? Like, what well, it, again, I was I was connected with a with a family who had a a son who knew the politics of the region, and he was you know young and kind of a jokester and 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 kind of just got off on the idea of of, of setting me up in that way, yeah, you know, and uh, I got some great pictures you know uh, from the memory I learned a lot and shout out to India and all the Indian people out there. I really had a great time, and Indian food and Thai food are some of my favorite foods so <laughs> were there any uh, was you have experienced any serious cultural shock? I mean, not you, not in that part of the world. No, I've been all over that region. You know, I've been all over Southeast Asia, and I well, I've traveled a lot just based on my career and experiences like that. You but, traveled um, a lot as a hip hop artist, as a hip hop artist, yeah, and a poet. Um, I've never, you know, so I've been, you know, I've been to Tunisia and Algeria, and I've been to Malaysia and Singapore and the Maldives and Sri Lanka and all a whole lot of places in in that area. I I never experienced culture shock there. Um, <clears throat> culture shock. I mean, or no, or a lack never. of cultural acceptance. I mean, you're a brown. Well, skin. I grew up. I grew up experiencing lack of. It was the lack of. It was well. Let's call it racism. It was racism is kind of what made me what I was, what I am. Because, to be honest with you, like, 
yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a brown skin person, whatever, a.k.a. black person, you know, or whatever, whatever that means in society today. Um, and Azim is your last name. Azim Il is my last name. Il is a, is, is a Moorish surname. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what for people listening, what is what is a Moor? Uh, a Moor is basically a, a Moor would more would be the proper um, status or the proper nationality or term mm-hmm. that in an ideal world, so-called black people or who used to be Negroes, who used to be uh, Afro-Americans or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now African-Americans. Where, so the, where are the Moors from? Africa? Well, uh, well, the Moors... Basically, the Moors was a world. Moors were a worldwide empire. They had a worldwide empire. For example, if you look back in in history, the reason why so many of the English terms of science and mathematics mm-hmm. are Arabic mm-hmm. because of the Moors bringing these things to science, like algebra is Arabic, uh, alchemy, chemistry. These are all Arabic words. Oh. And alcohol. Uh-huh. So. Um, the Moors were the ones who introduced these things. So similar to the way we uh, use Roman script mm-hmm. and things like that, yeah. but we're not Romans. Right. The Moors had Arabic, but they weren't Arabs right. necessarily. You know. Um, so you can go back in history and look at it that way. But as you look back in history, you see references to Moors or later Black Amors. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to get these Black Amors out of Europe. So Moors is the is the is the late is the last term that so-called black people were known as before they were termed Negroes or before. See, like when they go to Iraq, they don't say Iraqi fighters. They say insurgents. Uh They have to they have to take the humanity off off of them in order to make it seem okay. Right. It's like how you say casualties of casualties of war, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have another word for them. Um, uh, Collateral damage. Right, right. It's not humans. It's It's collateral damage. It's not death. So you have to dehumanize it. So that's, you know, these these, these terms like African-American, that sounds great. I'd love to go to Africa, America, but it doesn't exist. (laughs) Sounds like the music is great and everything. I'd love to go there. Yeah. I bet you weed is legal there too. Great climate. (laughs) Yeah, great climate. Right. But, you know, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. So, you know, and when you start, and, and all of this is fine. None of this really matters when you're talking about everyday life. You know, a lot of people can get by and aren't really caught up in this, even though it seems to be in the media and everybody seems to be being triggered uh, purposely every day for whatever reason. You know, um, the problem with all of this is when you start looking at the, the, the law and the, and, and the justice system, because when you start dealing with legalese, mm-hmm. all right, what words really mean in the courtroom are different than than how we use them right the definitions become different so when you're dealing with legal status and you're dealing with these terms white black negro african-american they they mean different things when it comes to legal status like really 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 you know Uh and so you could end up having a lot less rights claiming to be a proud ex-slave Mm. Hey, I'm a proud ex-slave, which is basically what you're saying. You know, I come from slaves. Well, then we don't really owe you anything because it used to be our property. And we don't owe our property anything. Uh But if you can tie yourself to a landmass, to a culture, to a history, then you have more standing 
just as someone with a nationality more status has more, yeah you have more status yeah you know? but not to get too far into that because at the end of the day i am an artist right you know? uh, and in the beginning of the day but in uh, the beginning what, of the day yeah what's yeah, yeah. uh what what is your origin where where did you grow up i grew up in well i grew up in jersey originally mm -hmm. um but i moved from new jersey to atlanta <clears throat> from atlanta to los angeles from los angeles to miami and from miami to the bay area all and that's when i turned 18 oh wow how come all of that was high school so how come were you with your family and i was with my family yeah we just moved from what um all of those reasons uh were for you know they all made sense one of the times that we moved was from uh uh we moved from um I mean, that, when so, we moved from Los Angeles to Miami, it was based on a really big mistake that I personally made that is probably the biggest mistake in my life. And I don't really know if it's a bit much. I don't I don't want the audience to think that I want to say this before I go on anything else. I, I was raised in, yeah. in a very like my parents are Jamaican. Right. Uh -huh. They came from you know, more of a, the, a higher class, you know, in, in, in the islands, you have, you, have, you have class structure and everything like that, too. So they had... Like most places. Yeah, like most places. So they yeah. had, you know, they, had, they lived a better life there and mm -hmm. came here, you know, for other opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't grow up under, on, you know, in, in the typical, um, stereotypical way when, they, when people think of black Americans. You know, uh -huh. we had swimming pools. My parents had good jobs. We yeah. traveled often. You know, we weren't rich by any means, but we definitely weren't poor. Mm -hmm. And there was no, there was no need for crime and, and, and all these other type of things like that. It was me going out into the world and, and feeling out of place, which kind of pushed me into the subcultures of, of uh, urban America. Right. The way know? I look at it is like when, when something happens to especially a kid, but even adults, they act out. You know, so if you're upset about something, if you feel ostracized from society, yeah. you act out. Right. So right. just like a kid does if he's it, upset. It, it, exactly. So you acted out in Los Angeles and did I acted out all my life. I've always I was always kicked out of schools and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't I don't I don't I, I'm sure it was for, for, for many reasons. But for the, at, at the end of the day, I, I believe that it was because I was intelligent even as a youth i was very, you know I, I grew up in a family of eight kids i was the youngest of eight mm -hmm. the rule for me was you are to be seen and not heard because mm -hmm. everyone around you is older so just shut up and pay attention so you can learn something mm -hmm. you know don't talk any brothers you know, and sisters all, that's what i'm saying i was the youngest of eight brothers and sisters okay you know in one house so right. for me it was be quiet and watch. So I became an observer and, and, and it made me intelligent. You know, I was like, I was the, the, the first spy of my house. I knew where everybody's everything was. <laughs> That's <laughs> a know? lot of siblings too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like the Black Brady Bunch, for real. Um, and all that moving forces you to learn to assimilate into all these different places. And, it, yeah, and that's also, what, that's, so, that was culture shock. Moving from yeah. Jersey to Atlanta was mm -hmm. culture shock. I bet. You know? um, and all of this is, is the 80s, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm in L.A. When we moved to L.A., that's the height of gang. That's when colors was being made and all of that stuff mm -hmm. like that, yeah. you know. Um, so all of that, though, you know, I had, to, I had to learn fast, you know. You got me real curious about what you did in Los Angeles now. That made you, made them move, made your parents move from L.A. to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> well, so this kind of ties in. Like I said, I was always an observer. So this actually ties in now. So when we moved from Atlanta to Los Angeles, my parents kept the house. 
and and because it was a nice place and they rented it out mm-hmm. um so make a long story short we had to we went back for some reason after a year and my parents made me come with them something to do with insurance paperwork or whatever my parents my mother used to work for the airlines so we got tickets free tickets all the time nice. so it was nothing to, for all of us to go fly so we went back to, so i'm looking around this old house that i used to live in mm-hmm. and it's decorated now it's kind of pimped out you yeah. know, it used to be me and my mom in there. Another now, this one guy lives in this whole house, and it, it, I like. I can tell one thing. I can tell by the way it's de- decorated is that this guy smokes weed. Uh-huh. I was like, I just know this guy smokes. Weed. I can tell by the way it's decorated. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Um, and I'm fourteen. The age of mischief. Fourteen or yeah, yeah. I'm fourteen. So uh, <clears throat> no, no, no. Sorry, hold on. Fourteen, fifteen. I'm fifteen now. I'm uh-huh. fifteen. I'm fifteen. I'm fifteen. So uh, I'm looking around the guy's house. Anyway, um, I go, I get into the bed. The bedroom door is locked, but I knew how to pick the lock because I used to live in the house and I was bored, you know. Right. So I picked the lock and I, long story, I'm searching through this guy's room. You're like, I'm going to pick this roll time's sake. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay. The reason why I knew how to pick the lock because my grandmother stayed in the house with us and she had Alzheimer's disease and she used to always lock the doors, Uh bedroom doors. And it would, you know, so I learned how to pick it. Yeah. So that's why I knew how to pick the lock. Um, anyway, I'm searching through this guy's room. I start to find all kinds of guns and machine guns, Uzis, 38s, nine millimeters, bullets, all type of stuff. And, um, so I said, well, this guy's either a federal agent or he's a drug dealer, you know? And, and, uh, like I said, my father's Jamaican and not to big up Jamaica and not to put nothing on my people. But, you know, he, I said, dad, where's the guy? He said, oh, he's in Jamaica on business. So Uh I said, Jamaica on business. Okay. Boom. I find the suitcase with the you know it, it just it just it just went bad from there anyway what I, was in the suitcase a bunch, I find, uh, bunch of weed uh, more than weed yeah, okay it's, it's heavier drugs heavier drugs than that yeah uh-huh. so I, I took a whole lot of stuff you know it was cocaine and there was all types of stuff in there it was, it was, i'm sure the guy had jewelry all types of stuff but me being a dumb ignorant idiot 15 year old but also really brave i mean i would have seen all those guns and been like i am not stealing from this no, guy <laughs> no nah, nah, nah. i was too dumb for that i was too dumb that, that didn't scare me i was I, I, actually i was taking them and posing with them in the bathroom mirror uh-huh i was the taking these yeah and you know doing the, oh you talking to me right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. i mean you know i was an idiot i you know i look back to certain things and and and, and the way i saw the world and 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 i I can't believe. Wait, did you take the whole briefcase? I did not. I wasn't able to obviously bring the whole briefcase back to L.A. with me. However, uh, what I did do was I sampled a little bit of everything because growing up in New Jersey back in that day was another thing. There was nothing to do but party and experiment with drugs. Mm -hmm. And I had so many older brothers and sisters that, you know, by the time I was 12, it was lit. Yeah. So, uh, and then after I sampled some of the stuff, I immediately remembered some of my old friend's phone numbers from Atlanta. Now, if you read the book, you'll know that those guys weren't exactly the most law-abiding guys in the world. Mm-hmm. So, so it, when you say you sampled stuff from the briefcase, you mean you took them with you? No, I mean, I, I, I did that, and then I tried them personally. Right then <laughs> on the spot. Yeah, I just went into my old bedroom because my parents were doing some type of work with, with some insurance guy, you yeah. know, and they weren't paying. They didn't care where I was, yeah. whatever, you know. <laughs> You're the youngest of eight. They're like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's how, yeah. 
My brother got beat up, you know, got slapped up when he got caught smoking. By the time I got caught smoking, the eighth one, yeah. they're like, whatever. Just, what, just, uh. I mean, you see that with even just like three kids by the yeah, third. Trust like, me. I, I was coming home at, you know, one and two o'clock in the morning at, you know, in seventh, seventh grade, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. It just, it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I remember, you know, back to the story, I remember these, these guys' phone number and I called them and me being high and young and stupid, I told them everything. And they were like, oh, really? Well, uh, what time do you got? When you guys leave? And I thought we leave tomorrow. Uh-huh. So, boom, you know. Meanwhile, I get caught up in L.A. with the stuff. I basically get a confession damn near beat out of me. I tell my father, all right, I got it from our house in Atlanta. Yeah. He calls the house to tell the guy, like, listen, my son fucked up. I'll probably owe you some money when you get back. You know, let me know. So you told and, your dad that you stole stuff from the house in Los Angeles? Yeah, eventually. Yeah, because I got, I got caught up with some stuff in Los Angeles. And I eventually had to, had to tell. I tried to lie. didn't work. I eventually had to tell where I got it from. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, so he does the right thing and calls the guy and says, hey, my son fucked up. And I... Call me when you get back in town. I'll probably owe you some money. Uh-huh. While he's doing that, all of my friends uh, from in Atlanta um, were robbing the house. They went. Wait, was the house in Los Angeles? No, it's in it's in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta. Oh, I, I did the drug, and then I called them and I told them the whole story. Then we flew out and left. So I was oh. like, Yo, this house got drugs and guns and jewelry, uh-huh. and there's nobody in it. And they were like, Oh, really? Uh huh. You know, so they maybe went I'm speaking to, too fast for you. So they went so. to the house. And I, I don't do drugs now in my adult life. By uh-huh. the way. I just want to add that yeah. for clarity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Further, future employers maybe exactly. So they, so they went to the house in Atlanta and robbed it. Yeah, because it was my old house. They knew where I lived. They, they came knew. and picked me up. Right. I was like, hey, come get me. They're who's this? I was like, yo, it's me from back in the day. They're okay. Oh no. Came and got me, and we went out and partied because I had all this coke and weed and so, so what we did they, they're like where'd you get this and i'm yeah. like i got it from my house right they're like oh really so the guy comes home to his doors kicked in because they wasn't picking no locks right. <laughs> oh no window broken doors kicked in everything's gone all the guns jewelry anything of value money, whatever money was in the house right because it's easier to rob from a drug dealer because it's harder for a drug dealer to report the robbery well, yeah, because uh, I'm sure all those guns weren't legal. And none of them. No, of course, none of them. Yeah. The drugs weren't legal either. Yeah, but yeah, he's exactly. not going to report it. It's it's those. Guys, they, it was a culture at the time to rob houses for guns anyway. Mm-hmm. They were robbed. They'd rob a judge's house. They rob cops' houses. All kinds of stuff. That mm-hmm. that was just a culture. That this is the '80s. It, there was a you know Atlanta, L.A. Uh, these places were 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 really wild. Uh, in, in those days um so so the guy must have found out his house got robbed well he came and, home yeah he came home and everything was gone and kicked in and broken with with my father on the ass machine saying hey my son messed up i'll use some money and the guy's so like you some can, money uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why we ended up having to move uh and really there's more i could say about that but i actually m- my angels are now telling me to kind of hold back a little bit so uh-huh. the, there's some of that i, I probably even I mean, it's yeah, so long it, ago, it, I don't think you have to worry about it. All right. Well, one of those, uh, yeah. Well, there, it didn't end. It didn't end. It, it, he continued to look for his shit in Atlanta. And, you know, 
you know he uh, was determined to hunt down your friends and find it yeah yeah so all types of stuff was going on did you have to give him names of people oh we we i never we 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 moved you moved straight out of state yeah and um (laughs) well that's when we moved from la to miami from los angeles from atlanta to miami no i know it's confusing yeah it's oh you were living in la but you went back to atlanta we went back to i got you so then you moved from atlanta you uh, moved from LA to Miami, but why? Yeah, why couldn't yeah, you just yeah, stay in LA? Like the guy was in Atlanta. Yeah, but he knew exactly not only where we were, but the network. Uh, you know, it's a Jamaican. Jamaicans kind of all know each other. Okay. You know the the networks. Are, well, West Indians in general, the networks are, are are easy to tap into. Right. You know. So you're fleeing California to get away from a guy in yeah, Georgia, yeah. but somehow ends up in Miami. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But there's reasons for that too. Like, again, there's everything is. It's like family, you know. It's like a whole family, you know. There's there's levels and uh, uh, what do you call it hierarchies, sure, and all of those things right. involved with with, mm-hmm. with cultures. You know. So did the guy ever get? Uh, did he ever make peace with everything that happened? He went to prison. He did. Yeah, he went to prison. Okay, well that'll. And that it. was all I ever. You know, I'm not even really. That's another thing with West Indian culture. Like I wasn't really allowed to bring up the subject subject mm-hmm. after that so whatever else they found out they it's 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 a no it, it became a no touch subject like don't talk about they it didn't, yeah certain things you don't you don't talk about let's just not even go there you know is that that's a west indian cultural thing you think I, yeah i'm sure many other cultures I'm, sure. I, I'm you know asian cultures as well certain family secrets that just don't get passed on right you know we just don't talk about that you know somebody will, they'll rather exile someone from the family than to even go into the the effect they had right. for uh, for whatever reason right you know so that became a taboo subject were you um, scared for your life no okay i was too young and stupid but i did end up in get, being sent to a rehab um basically just to get out of the house so my father wouldn't kill me and in the i was the youngest one in the rehab and i was in there with some it, this is in la before we left like mm-hmm. when i came out the boxes were packed but i was in there with some pretty famous people and it was it was a lot of fun and even uh got uh i had some little uh, adult experiences in there too with some ladies <laughs> <laughs> celebrity so, ladies in the rehab <laughs> yeah. and i was the, you know and i was pretty young so that was interesting that was a real la experience before i got to you know, i mean yeah that was a real la experience before uh-huh. i left you know would, would you consider yourself as having a drug problem at the time or you no just, not at all right. i was just stupid i i stole the drugs to sell them because i wanted to be cool and get a and get a new nickname uh-huh. and you know and get girls yeah i didn't want to do the drugs right you know what i mean i've always been an herbalist you know like, uh-huh. uh pills and all that other stuff it doesn't like i've been around everything and i've had especially when i was younger and even being an artist you have access to experiment with all type of things that are out there um but uh herb has always been my thing mm-hmm. you know so having to move all this all these many times and going into new schools how did you do you have any tools that you use to assimilate yeah yes it, i became I, I became a professional at it um i i 
I knew I had to find my crowd, my my circle of people, and that every school had my circle of people. It was basically the opposite of the cheerleaders and jocks. Right. It was the kids who didn't go to class, the kids who had little, you know, who, you know, the mischievous ones, you right. know. So it was kind of always I had to find them in order, and and then I'd click in, and these were the kids that partied like me, and who did, you know, who weren't scared to, you know, drink or smoke weed or whatever. You did know? you get good at uh, figuring out? I who got they were? very good at figuring out that, and I just learned that it doesn't really matter who you meet you just you, you just meet one person and and you work your way up and eventually you find the bad kids mm-hmm. you know and um, you're looking for the bad kids. i was always looking for the bad <laughs> kids yeah you know and what's funny is now i've worked a lot with in the in the um in the school districts in oakland and in brooklyn uh-huh. and um i always say when i go and send me your send me the bad ones just if you put me in the class if whatever bad kids you have that can't deal with te- send them to me i'll take them you know, because to hang out with or? no, 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 to deal with them in the school, in, like at, in a in a professional setting, you right? Know, in a in, um, teach, learn, learn, teach setting, because I remember I've been to so many schools, and I was them, you know, and I remember so much of what it was like. I remember why I acted like that. I remember how fast I could size up an adult, whether or not they were genuine or not uh-huh. whether or not i like them or not or whether right. or not you know you could trust them yeah i could trust them you know yeah. it was so fast i could tell so fast you know yeah. so i knew how they were sizing me up and i knew what to say and how to you know and i and i still do so i have a, i have a, you know sort of a you know a, a thing for for those type of students you know because i want to show them that you're not wrong it's 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 your it's your your spirit inside is just telling you something here isn't right and you're rebelling against it, you right. know, and and you're right to do that because a lot of this is bullshit. And right. that's what I would tell them. And this, they didn't want me teaching history and I'd hold up the history book and I'd say, you know what? Most you see this book, most of it is bullshit. And I'd throw it across the room. Uh-huh. Now let's begin, you know, because yeah. so when when they when, when, when they realize, OK, it's not necessarily me. It's they're they're trying to impose like I'm a diamond and they're trying to impose a, a, the shape of a square onto me and I'm not a fucking square. Right. If they see me like a diamond and teach me like then I then I'll bloom, you know. So I tried to do that, you know, because to educate means to draw something out of someone. Yeah. That's what educate means to draw. So so it's like a sculptor who has a, a chunk of marble. And he, what does he do? He stares at the chunk of marble. He drinks his wine and smokes his weed or does whatever he does and stares at until what? Until he, the, the marble itself informs the artist of the form that's in it. Mm-hmm. The artist says, oh, now I see the form in this chunk of marble. And he draws that form out of it that's, that's already inside it. He doesn't force it. That's what you're doing to the kids. That's what education is supposed to be doing to all kids. Right. But instead, we're, we're turning them all into the same one, whatever, carving one shape out of all these different chunks of marbles. Mm-hmm. And they're not one shape. Mm-hmm. And, and we tell them, if you can't fit this one shape, then, you know, to hell with you. You don't fit in the society. Go stand in the hallway. Right. So I'm seeing that you've kind of come full circle. Now you got me curious. How did you go from kind of a criminally minded kid to yes. the other side of things? I was definitely criminally minded. I'm still criminally minded. Mm-hmm. But I, but but what, what people need to realize is criminally minded isn't necessarily negative because great politicians are criminally minded. Businessmen are criminally minded. They just know how to um, focus it in, in, a, in, a, in a way that doesn't get them in trouble. A more positive way. I don't even want to call it positive or negative because is, is a pharmaceutical company and, and, and the dude down the street uh, selling, selling um, 
uh, ecstasy and weed, mm-hmm. is he negative? And, and the pharmaceutical company is positive? Right. Because the system says so? Right. You know, so I don't know if it's positive or negative, but in, so that's why I say in ways that won't get them in trouble, in ways that are accepted. They focus their criminal, um, their criminal mindedness on ways that are accepted. You know, a, great, a con man, somebody like, you know, who could travel through India uh, uh, as, a, as a businessman or whatever, could also be a, a politician. Mm-hmm. You know they're con they're they're con artists. You don't right. trust what politicians say. Right. They're you they're like used car salesmen. Right. Right. So you know that they're criminally minded. Used car salesmen might be criminally minded. The guy knocking on your door selling you uh, you know golf packages is I, pro- could be criminally minded. I, but he's not going to rob your house. Right. I guess it depends on the intention. Is it's it a in, intent? Yeah. Exactly. Productive, destructive. Productive or destructive. I think that's a good way. That's a, that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Productive or destructive. And even then, it's like it's sort of like smoking uh, marijuana ten years ago, smoking weed ten years ago. Hey, I'm not hurting anyone but mm-hmm. myself, quote unquote. Right. So according to law, if there's no according to common law, no victim, no crime. If there's no harm to personal property then there is no crime. Why? Because I have a right to question my accuser. So you're giving me this ticket for running a stop sign in the middle of the night. Well, I want to question who I harmed. Right. You know, although we would all agree, stop at stop sign. So let's say smoking weed. You're giving me this ticket for smoking weed on the sidewalk at midnight with no one around. You're not operating a vehicle. I'm not, I, there's no harm to person. There's yeah. no harm to property. Who called you? There's, who's, who made the complaint? What? There's no who do I question? If I can't question anybody, you can't. You're according to common law, you're not. There is no crime. You, well, you have to have grown it yourself and not bought it off the black market because then you're supporting, you know, an illegal well, industry. Oh, according to if you uh, want to get according, real technical, uh, according that. to them, yeah, right, yeah, right. Acor- according to them. Not that's, that's why I follow. I follow. Uh, I, I find myself very. Uh, I find my conscience uh, very light in dealing with universal law i don't watch man's law like i'm watching universal law is mm-hmm. this because you have to understand some things are 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 are, are legal but they're unlawful mm-hmm. so it, at the moment for example when this is being filmed the big thing on the news is them taking children at the border from other that's actually legal obviously for them to do and right. and to, but it, but it's it's extremely unlawful when it come when you think of the universal law and of nature. Right. A stranger shouldn't be snatching children from you know obviously. Right? Yeah. Separating families. So now. I'm dealing with universal law, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't I don't oppress anyone, you know, and I don't um, purposely harm anyone with my hands or my tongue or even my eyes. Right. You know, I try I, or I, I I try very hard not to. You know, I have, but I I, I try hard not to, and I try to keep my I try to make sure my good deeds greatly outweigh my bad deeds, even if they're thoughts. I try to make sure my, my good thoughts greatly outweigh my bad thoughts, and yeah. et cetera. And, it, and that's how I govern myself. So at some point, you must have figured a lot of stuff out because the 15-year-old... Yeah, I had a spiritual... I had a, so I was sent to Catholic school very early. I was an altar boy, all, all oh, of those wow. things like that. You know, I was like one of the only black kids you know, uh, in, in class, that sort of, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so I got kicked out of Catholic school in seventh grade. This is in Jersey before I began moving. Did they, they send you there for religious purposes or no, my parents sent me there. No, my parents <laughs> sent me there because they, wanted, they, they didn't want us going to the public schools because they didn't want us to be like... America, you know, in their minds, them being, um, you know, new here, so-called immigrants, you know, from Jamaica, they didn't want us 
uh, mixing with so-called American blacks. Oh, wow. You know, because you're, they're told that when they come to immigration. Hey, you guys, are the, don't mix with them. You can't, you know. So, um, and this is typical, any, any West Indian family or, or even African family, you know, will know what I'm talking about. And this mm-hmm. had, and I don't ever see myself, we're all one people, obviously, like mm-hmm. I see that and I know that, but this is an older mentality right. that our parents had, yeah. you know. So they sent us to the private schools, mm, you know, because yeah. they didn't want us, you know, um, and because they want us to get a better education because they knew the public schools were for shit. Right. So, um, yeah, I was schooled by, by nuns and, you know, and things like that. With um, all the religion that went with it. Yeah, we had religious class every day. Yeah. And I loved it. You did? I loved it because it was like, I mean, it was like comic books type stories you know what i mean like, you like the mythology yeah right? the mythology and it fed my it fed my imagination you know right. wars in heaven and you know angels with swords and all this stuff like that you did know? you believe it at the time uh yeah I, I, I did until until i remember and this is all, all also covered in the book but this is uh i remembered in, until I, I raised my hand and i asked sister theon sister theon said and this is about uh fifth grade so mm-hmm. um sister theon said theon said uh Anyone who's not baptized doesn't get to go to heaven. And well, I sat there and I thought about it and I raised my hand. And I, I said, remember well, this from the book. Yeah, yeah, what if you're a baby? You yeah. know, and, and you don't, she said, well, that baby will go to heaven. But not meet God. It will never have, yeah, never get to meet God. And yeah. she said it so, like, like, so knowingly, like, this is a fact. Right. And from that moment, I was like, oh, this is some bullshit. That, mm-hmm. that can't, that, even at a young age, I was like, that can't be true. Yeah, well, know? it's an innocent baby. It's an innocent baby. Yeah. Like, what? That, that can't be true, you know. Um, they got to rewrite that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what happened was that planted a lot of seeds in my head for, uh, for the esoteric and the occult. Um, and I, because I found that <clears throat> I couldn't find things that, 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 that I was magnetically attracted to in your your surface religious texts but when i dug a little deeper into uh esoteric texts and even occult um works i found a whole universe mm-hmm. of information and 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 knowledge and and most of that was because i had met there was a catalyst for me within that was i met an individual in san jose uh when i first moved to california named leon and leon was he was like a master teacher of that. He was a master teacher of that time. Um, <clears throat> and he was just somebody who had read and memorized so much information. For him, I think, you know, when looking back, he had so much information. I think he probably, he didn't know how to, how to use it, how to apply it. Uh-huh. So it can, it, 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 you can become a slave of your own thinking uh, maybe not a slave, but you can be, become hindered of your own thinking if you go too deeply into the conspiracies and 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 other workings of the unseen and things that we don't talk about that are going on in this society. Yeah. If you don't know how to monetize it or use it or to because then everything you see, you're seeing all the symbols everywhere and you're looking at the and you become like the Terminator guy. and You're right, trying to make sense of all trying this to make stuff. sense of all of it. And, and now you've taken yourself out of out of the conversations and right. now you've isolated you've yourself completely. Far. Yeah. And you can't get out. Yeah. 
me, luckily, I was able to take all this information and, and, and put it in my work. Right, put it in your in your poetry, in my poetry, and in my songs. Yeah. You know, so it's not just bum, bumbling around in my head all the time, and I can actually take it and put it to use, and 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 even monetize it in that way, mm-hmm. to is where it's not it's not all for nothing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not just some guy walking around pointing at stuff, talking about the Bilderbergs and the, and the, the Illuminati and the, the which all of it is real, yeah. but. Uh, what does that have to do two things what does that have to do with you paying rent and 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 eating good you know a vegan meal tonight right right and and secondly okay this is the main thing i realized you know which i'd like to share to anybody who is caught up in all this stuff is that yes it's real for the most part but that's what these people do with their reality that that's what they choose to do with their reality what about you what do you choose to do with your reality? Okay, magic is real. Okay, chanting up beings or whatever is real. That's what they're great. What are you doing? What are you going to do with that? Where's your magic? Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, aren't you a shaman too? Own that and do that. Don't, don't study them no more. You learn, okay, yep, they're out there. It happened, 9-11. Yes. Yeah. That's that reality. Did you, did your, did you finding a creative outlet? help you get away from that that is when i completely stopped getting in trouble mm-hmm. the minute i i discovered that I, that i could write mm-hmm. that, I, that 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 i found i found my 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 passion my my labor of love mm-hmm. and um and 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 for that i'll be eternally blessed i would definitely not be sitting here before you at all um um especially in the, in the capacity that i am today if I did not discover my own labor of love, which just happened to be uh, creative writing. Right. I love these stories because a lot of times it's like just one person that happened across someone's path at that moment that made a suggestion or you encountered one thing. How how did you go from being a mischievous kid to finding your passion of creative writing? Do you remember how that happened for you? Did someone Uh, introduce you to it? Well, I do. It's interesting. Um, Hmm. Again, this is all covered in the book, but uh, I'll share. I'll share this, and 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 this is by no means a poor me moment. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, it, I'm very very thankful for everything in my in in my childhood. All right. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I was a bad kid. I was very mischievous. You know, yeah. I, I used my intelligence for mischief, um, but I was also dumb to the world. So I got caught a lot. Mm-hmm. My father was old school Caribbean, old school. You know. They don't, they don't play like, you know, so he put hands on, you know what I mean? Like when, when you would, when he disciplined me, he did it in a, in a, in a very strong way, you know, but it was never like spanking or punching, spanking. Yeah. More like slap, punch, punch, slap, throw, not in, in the face, picked the, no every face anywhere. Really? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real, real, you know, thrown into the wall, holes in the wall with your body, all type of stuff like that. But, um, it, Again, it, w- it wasn't for no reason. And even later on in life, he admitted, hey, you know, I, I probably did go a little too far when you were younger, you know, but. Having eight kids will do that. <laughs> ha- yeah, having eight kids will do that. And, and again, to, to, to his, according to his culture, this is what he knew. Right. This is how he knew, you know, like if, if your son is out of line, you, you, you beat him in the line, you know, that's just what they knew, yeah. you know. Um, so anyway, the long story short, like, uh. You're really I'm, nice about letting him off the hook, I got to say. I'm not letting him <laughs> off the hook. No, not, I'm not letting him off the hook. It's not a, 
I'm, I, I won't say that I was a I was a very dumb uh, kid, and that, and um, you know, it's uh, and and you know, I I did this. It didn't work, but I understand where he. Again, it's all intent. Yeah, his intent was I gotta fix my son. Right, that's how he. That's what he thought was the way. Right, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I was told, hey, your father doesn't like it when you cry when he hits you, like because he, he wants you to be tough. He wants you to be a man, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So then, so the times after it happened, I wouldn't cry. I would just take it, you know, and hold it all in, and you know, to make him proud, you know. And what that did, and what that did was, I, it, it, I learned my, how to find my off button, and I could kind of like leave my, my my body while while the event is happening. I could just shut off, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and but w what that did was, anytime I would get into an emotional situation, a, a fight or an argument, a, you know, a lover spat, you know, as a kid or whatever, any type of. I would shut off. Right. So if we'd get into like, you know, kids fight. So we into a fighting situation, I just, the guy could be yelling in my face. I'd have, he'd have to hit me or grab me or something to wake me up. Like yeah. otherwise I'm just shut off dead. And so it affected my expression. Like I wasn't able to express myself when I was angry or when I was, you know, nervous or whatever, because I would be shut. It would shut, it would shut me off. And then people go, what are you doing? What's wrong? What's going on? And I'd be like, ah, and then I get frustrated and start cussing and going to get violent, you know. It was really bad. And so long story short, I discovered one day that if I write it down, how I feel, if I just write it down, then it, it comes out. Yeah. And it comes out easy. Yeah. And, and, and it feels it, good. It changed every, like, the, I became letterman. I letter to my friends, letters to my mother, letters to my teachers mm -hmm. to explain, hey, this is why this, dear, te dear math teacher, you know, this is da, 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 da. And I just started doing that. And, 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 and I basically, yeah, it really just never stopped. And then we, then it was just started doing it for, with rapping, just joking around, like in math class. Hey, let's make a rap about each other. And we'd rap, rap battle each other, right. just joking, never taking it seriously, never once thinking, I'm going to continue to do this for, you know, years and years and years and travel the world with it. You yeah. Know? You ever write any letters to your dad? No. Never. None of those letters went to him? No. Mm -hmm. no. You ever write any and not send them? No. That might be an interesting letter to write. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't need, I mean, well, maybe everybody needs a little bit of um, psychology work and things like that, but I don't really, uh, that's not the... That's not uh, that. That's that's a pebble. I, I've got some. I got some bigger rocks. Yeah. That I could. Yeah. It's not. It's not the fact that my that my dad was rough with me. And to be honest with you, um, you know, today, uh, masculinity um, seems to be uh, really almost looked at as negative sometimes in, 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 in certain situations and circles. Uh, so I feel like a dinosaur, but I'm proud to be that, you know, mm -hmm. and I come from a certain era, you know, and sure, it's, it's, it, it's bad to tell your kid, boys don't cry, don't cry, but, you know, men don't cry, you know. I, I, I wouldn't tell my son that now. Mm -hmm. No, man, cry if that's how you feel and let it out because I wouldn't want to stop him up the way I was stopped up. Do you have a son? Nah, I have a daughter. Okay. Yeah, I have a daughter. <laughs> uh, but I was told that, and I'm from that era, and I don't, and I don't make apologies for it, and I, and I, and I can still maneuver through the world because I don't have a a judgmental. 
I, I'm that without the judgmental, like, oh, you eat tofu, or oh, you're gay, or oh, you went, you know, like, I don't right. have all of that, because yeah. I've lived in so many places, and I've been so many different people myself, and I've seen so much of the world, that I know that variety is the spice of life, and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you know, again, back to what you, it, intention is mm -hmm. everything, you yeah. know, it's just, are you being your real self, that's mm -hmm. all I care about, yeah. you know. So once you found this creative writing, and it just started, I imagine it started to flow out of you. And you're feeling this feeling like you probably never felt before. Yeah, I I I, I literally stopped getting in trouble, and I was uh, and it was the writing and reading. Like I started with the autobiography. I never graduated from from even grade school. All those years of moving, mm -hmm. moving from New Jersey to Atlanta to Los Angeles to Miami to that's all high school. That's all like mid high school. So. Uh -huh. I never gra I got kicked out of uh, Catholic school in seventh grade, so I, I never graduated from eighth grade because we moved. They were like, "Were you in sudden?" I was like, "Yeah, I graduated. Okay, now you're in ninth grade, you right. know, or whatever." And every year it would happen. Did you graduate ninth grade when you were in the other? Yeah, yeah. Okay, now you're in tenth grade. Yeah. You know? uh, they just put you in the age appropriate grade. Exactly. You, yeah. Exactly. Um, Did so you yeah. technically finish high school? No, I never finished grammar school. I never finished high school. I never graduated from anything. Okay. So I am, and that used to embarrass me. However, now I'm proud to say that because I am self-educated. And, yeah. and uh, I feel blessed because I believe it enables me to still be a free thinker mm -hmm. in ways that a lot of uh, so-called educated people um, aren't that it's harder for them to to think freely or to critically think about situations now and you got plenty of other education i mean you slept with an older celebrity in a la room <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that must have been a learning experience yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what led you from creative writing to i imagine it went from creative writing to poetry to hip-hop yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so the creative writing, what is that? Just like free-flowing essay sort of journal stuff? And then it went to poetry? It's, like, I, don't, I don't... You read some of, some of the novels, some mm -hmm. of Misfit King, and, and even you mentioned the, the flow of the narrative um, or, or the voice of it. Some people call it the voice, I don't know, but to me it's just the flow of it. It's something that comes naturally based on, you know, over 20 years of, of training myself in one of the most competitive fields of creative writing, which is hip hop. Mm -hmm. The slang is constantly changing. You throw a rock, you hit a rapper. Mm -hmm. So in order to carve your name out in hip hop, um, you have to have, some, you, you, you have to be somewhat nice. You have to be nice with a pen or real lucky, you know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I apply that, the, that sharpness, to any any form any form of writing, I don't I don't I don't separate them. A poem is a song, um, a, a, a a story is a song. You know, um, I, I, have, I have I have a movie, Postera. It's on it's it, it's on Vimeo. P o s t e r a. Postera. Um, What's the movie about? The movie is. It's basic. It's it's my life story, uh -huh. but myself and my film partner Zach Cedarholm from Cedarholm Films, um, we decided we didn't want to just do a film about Azim or Azim sitting, you know, on a porch in bedside rapping or standing in front of some graffiti. Right? Like, right. gee, never saw that before. Right? 
So we were like, all right, well, let's do this kind of documentary based on my life because I have all this old footage mm-hmm. of Bay Area footage and, and performance and interviews and all these things that we can incorporate. But let's throw a, a, a thread of um, fiction in it. Let's throw a, f- a thread of fiction in there, but to glue it all together, yeah. you know. And so Postera originally was going to be an art form that we were going to combine poetry and reality with a thread of fiction, and then you had to figure out which part was the fiction, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that's what basically that's what the film is. Um, it's it's 17 minutes long. Cool. Uh, it, it's won a few awards. It's been on multiple screens or international film festivals, etc. So the the film is based on my life story, which was first done in as Rude, which was a one man show that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Rude was my life story and my cousin Tommy, God bless the dead, who was one of the original, what we call Badman, like original gunman, gangster, kind of rude boy from Kingston come to America in the 70s. He had dreadlocks in, 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 in Harlem in the 70s. He mm-hmm. had to wear an Afro wig to get jobs and stuff. <laughs> so anyway, so it's my life and his life intertwined in the one, in the one character. Mm-hmm. And somebody actually put that up on YouTube. That's that's called Rude. So, again, so first I did the the play, and then the play became the film, and then from the film, and then and all the whole while I had actually been working on the novel. The novel is the 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 the, the, the real true story. Mm-hmm. The film and the play are um, have more fiction, and they're based on. The real story. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, I've been kind of telling the same story over and over again in different mediums. Yeah, uh, but that story's worth telling, you know. Um, and the hip hop. I mean, writing is one thing, but then being able to put it to verbal usage. Well, performance, live performance is 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 my. That's one of my that that's one of the things I have in my arsenal. Yeah, you know that's where my uh, Jamaican culture and heritage comes out because I'm real athletic, you know, and and I can. I got a lot of energy when I get on stage, when the lights and the music, and I just can't, I can't turn off. Do you, you remember know? the first time you got on stage and performed your original writings? I do, I do. Um, and it was, uh, it was, there's, I'm sure there's film footage of it somewhere. It was terribly embarrassing. Uh-huh. And I was, uh, at the time, I was, uh, let's see, you know, 17, 18, and I was doing a really, really bad uh, Flavor Flav impersonation because uh-huh. I was a really big Public Enemy fan yeah. and I loved Flavor Flav's character and live performance. Before you found your own voice. Before I found my own self. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the personality I was channeling while I was on stage was right. Flavor Flav, yeah. but they were my own words. You yeah. know? Um, Did anyone call you out on that? Yeah, I heard somebody yell something about Flavor Flav from the audience. But somebody also actually approached us like, hey, we want to talk to you about a record deal. But nice. it was like cheesy. It was like, but I'll be out, but I'm leaving in a day, so contact me before. It was some old, you know, right. early 90s, yeah. like just whatever type of stuff. Then we won a, we won a contest, a Marcus Garvey contest, and I won $1,000 for a rap that I wrote. And that, that, that was definitely a, a good sign because it was against a whole lot of other rap you know, groups. And was I just started. So on the West Coast, I only had one song, which uh-huh. was this song. Was it recorded? 
And uh, it wasn't even recorded because I didn't have a place to record it. So right. we just made it and did it live. And the funny thing was, I went to uh, Chris uh, Peanut Butter Wolf, the owner of uh, Stone's Throw. This was before there was a Stone's Throw or anything like that. <clears throat> and I went to him. A friend of mine told me about him. I called him and said, hey, man, I have, I'm doing this thing. Can you make this beat for me? And he said, yeah, come over. I went to his house, went up into his room, gave him the records to sample myself. And um, when I won the contest, I won $1,000. I never bothered to call him and offer him any money uh, like an idiot. Yeah. And he turned out to be the owner of Stone's Throw Records. And now every time I call him, he don't answer my phone calls. Now nah, uh, <laughs> nah, I never called him. But yeah, uh-huh. I see him in Vegas once or twice. And he was yeah. like, nah, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't either. <laughs> right. It would have been a great time to start a really good uh, relationship. Exactly. And, and, that's, and that's a lesson, you know, that I, I've learned a lot of lessons because as an artist, you know, again, I'm the misfit king. That's the title of the book. I've always felt like I was an outside looking in because no city I lived in, I wasn't from any of those cities. When I lived mm-hmm. in the South, I wasn't from the South. When right. I lived in LA, I wasn't from LA. When I lived in Oakland, I wasn't from Oakland. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I've always been on the outside um, looking in and uh, I, forget, I lost the thought. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, so you, Stones throw your blue duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's that, the lesson that that's the lesson that I learned. Treat is everyone that, right coming yeah, up. Yeah, no, look like if you have a circle, stick with it. And if not, like try to create one or even yeah, try to create one by really bigging up the other artists who are around you. It's they're not your competition. Mm. See, when I was coming into the game, especially hip hop being so competitive, I saw everybody around me as competition. Mm, Even right. if you were my friend, if we were getting on the same track, I'm looking to murder you on that track. And that's not that you don't see them as don't see this competition. See it as there's enough creativity and enough space for everybody. And if you have that positive outlook, you'll you'll be able to congratulate your peers mm-hmm. uh, genuinely with nothing in re- wanting nothing in return and you won't seem like a threat or somebody who's gunning for them or somebody who's talking out of the side of your neck about them and yeah. they will include you because I've seen a lot of uh, underground rappers from my era all of whom know me all of whom I've performed with and been in the studio with and they, they do a lot of things together mm-hmm. and I'm not involved in that but they know they know we all know, let's just say we all know each other, you know, and, and we all know each other. Well, it must have been so. tricky growing up moving around so much because once you find a clique or a crew. You got to leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another thing. Relationships kind of, you know, you always have to leave your, mm-hmm. your girlfriend or the girl you have a crush on or whatever the case right. may be, you know. I was a late bloomer when it came to all of that, but I always had some type of, you know, little, little kid, childish, little romantic thing you know and having to do that with friends and someone you think you're you're in love with etc etc it it kind of puts a little callous you know there which Mm -hmm. again it can be a blessing or a curse you know it all depends on you know there have been times that it's messed up things there was times that it saved me yeah you know so again it all made me who i was mm -hmm. or who i am now today in my life my whole purpose is just to, to to make my daughter and my my wife or a future wife soon to be wife is to make keep them happy and make them main, you know keep them proud of me and to not slip below um the personality or the actions that that they see me like they see me on such a high um you know they rate me on such a i don't want to let them down so that's what keeps me from doing a lot of 
dumb things because I know there are people who see me as a certain thing and I don't want to not, you know, be a superhero to them. Yeah. You know, I want to remain that, yeah. you know. And having a daughter, I mean, that's like yeah, your, she's, chance, she's, yeah. your chance to pay it forward. Yeah, well, I got lucky with my daughter. Uh -huh. you know, I'm, not, I'm not worried about her. She's actually become my teacher now. Well, uh -huh. Not fully. I still teach her. But now it's a teach, learn, learn, teach relationship. How old is she now? Uh, like 10 or 18, something like that. I don't really know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm a great dad. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a great dad. I've been talking to her and stuff. Nah, 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 nah. She's, uh, she's 19 now. Oh, really? Yeah, she's oh, 19. okay. So she's, she's going around Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she's real smart. She's a world traveler herself. Mm -hmm. and um, Performer? And, and now a performer, even though I, I tried my hardest to talk her out of it most of her life. <laughs> um, but she, she's a little, she Every is a little me. She's a me 2.0. And, um, yeah. but I'm, but I'm, and I'm proud of her though. Yeah. She hasn't made the same mistakes mm -hmm. that I've made, or at least she's been real smart, a lot smarter about it than yeah. I was. You know, you've got six six records out. Yeah, six records. Six yes, records, yes. and you've toured quite a bit. Oh yeah, you've I've toured. Tour I've had to have extra pages put in my passport and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at one time. Yeah, always performing, traveling, yeah, traveling and performing. Ever since I was a kid, you know, it's just something that's in my my markup, my spiritual makeup. You know, it's like. This particular class that I'm taking, this body that I'm driving right now in this in this time, you know, particular time frame, uh, I just I, I feel like I had a few things. I came with a like um, almost like ingredients or like a mock up like I can't, like, OK, I'm going to travel. I'm, I remember being in fifth grade and, and getting up to sharpen my pencil or something like that in class right? Yeah. and walking back to my seat. And a very clear voice coming to me saying, you're not going to need this. Mm -hmm. None of it. Mm -hmm. And I stopped. I was like, huh, did I say that to me? Yeah. And I looked around the classroom and the teacher was writing on the chalkboard and everybody's looking in their books. And, and it was just the voice that don't worry. Like, you're not all the school shit that they're teaching. Don't even worry about it. You're not, you're not going to use it. Mm -hmm. You have another window you're going to go through or another door you're going to a different path right than what this is trying to push you towards you know mm -hmm. and um and i always remember that i remember it clear as day you know and um so i, I feel like yeah maybe i'm like what you call an old soul you know and that and that this incarnation some things i've got easier certain things i have i have uh what people consider to be real lucky you know people mm -hmm. consider say i'm lucky but yeah I just think maybe I I put in the hard one some of the hard classes already. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But you're still young. I mean, you've got a ways to go. Yeah. Well, being young, you know, it's all it's all how you think and what you eat. Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> I don't know nobody named Jim. I don't know Jim. I don't go to Jim. You go to the gym. I don't yeah. know nobody named Jim. When you look in the when you look in Jamaica or Africa or somewhere and you see the people in the bush yeah. and how fit and healthy they are and you know strong they don't know nobody named jim either uh-huh they just had they just live yeah you know it's the way you live like i don't i don't take the elevator or the escalator i take the stairs yeah so i get my workout out of my day you know what i mean you think there'll be a sequel to the misfit king oh there has to be because i have because i'm living part two right now you got more you know? pages to write i'm oh i'm i'm you know the character never went anywhere i'm still here yeah you know i'm still I'm still living artistically. So what's you know? next for you? <laughs> Do you know what's next for you uh, besides finishing up the book? Nah. Mm -hmm. Nope. 
sure don't. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about leaving the country um, only because I've lived everywhere here now, you know, mm-hmm. and and so and you know on some Frank Sinatra and I did it my way sort of thing. Like I feel like I might as well continue to do things outside of the box. So um, where would you want to go? I'm probably going somewhere in Southeast Asia for now. I'm not mm-hmm. going to Europe, like Paris and Amsterdam and all that's fun. And and actually, as an artist, as a writer, I might maybe going there <clears throat> might be, you know, might might work. But I'm thinking Southeast Asia because I love the food, um, because you know things are inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And over there, I'm sir. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not trouble. I'm not a possible robber. I don't have, I don't, I don't have to deal with micro or macro racism. Da, 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 da. I'm just, sir, I'm just an American. Yeah. You know, we're they, rock they, stars they, when we travel. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm just an American, you know, and that, and that feels good. Not having that stress for a minute actually, actually feels good. Cause you know, living in the South and all these different places and going to private schools and I, I've lived in all different kinds of worlds, you know, and I, and I know, I know what the temperature is here in the country and, and I see the things that are changing. I think I just want to go back, go somewhere where things have kind of, where time stands still a little bit more mm. and everything's not always putting on a different costume and a different title and a different, it's just, it's, we're too triggered out here. We're too media triggered. You feel like all this external stuff happening these days, the external stimulation kind of uh, inhibits you from getting in touch with yourself? Uh, it, it, well, it could because what happens is it's dictating. We're letting corporate media right. dictate to us what, what dictate morals mm-hmm. of and our thoughts of, and our thoughts and more uh, things about things about sexuality, r- r- uh, relationships, um, family, politics, you know, religions, you know, mm-hmm. all these things. And we don't even realize it because we've ceased to have a, like a guard in front of the, our subconscious. Mm-hmm. Our subconscious, um, you know, the parts of our mind are wide open. And we, it wasn't always like that. People used to guard themselves from certain information. But because of technology and video screens and everywhere you look, it's like, boop, 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 mm-hmm. this, 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 that. And subliminal messaging and all these things, so many things get, get, get fly through into our subconscious and it builds up residue over years and years and years and years and years. So you think these thoughts are your own, mm-hmm. but they're not. They've been placed there, mm-hmm. but they've been there so long, mulling around. They've become yours, mm-hmm. but they're yours without the work, without the research, without the life experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so you, you're, you're tricked. Cause it's like it's like you you're given the 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 answer to the equation, you're being the the beginning of the equation and then the answer without doing any of the in between work that gives you the wisdom and the the firm knowledge of what you're talking about, you know. So without the equation, how do you know that that's true? So you, you don't just, even know how to do the fucking equation. <laughs> <laughs> so you just want you can't give me the history of anything you're talking about, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're so sure that it's true, right? Nah, that's those. Pl- thoughts have been have been given to us we all and we all suffer from it and if you think you don't have it or god forbid that you're too educated right. to do then you're really gone you're the you're, yeah you think you can escape this in southeast asia no i think that the the form of it there is a lot more transparent for mm-hmm. me and a lot less hype hyper right so 
like okay for example like, less sensationalized less sensationalized and that you know um and that i'll be able to be less affected by it because mm -hmm. i come i'm coming from the belly of the beast of it yeah we're, me we're media savvy here yeah yeah, yeah. so over there I, I won't be as you know mm -hmm. it's just as strong over there for them because right. that's what they know you know right. what i mean the, the the mind control whatever you want to call it is is everywhere wherever hollywood and mcdonald's and coca-cola is yeah it's there you know but it's not as you know strong over there so it won't affect me as as i'll be able to see through it a lot more yeah yeah you know i'll be able to see through it. another benefit of being an american yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly so uh you I, do you feel like uh ending this interview with some slam poetry i had a feeling you were going to say that but i i don't i didn't really necessarily um a verse i didn't um End it with a well. I'll end it on something that uh, that something that we're that we're speaking on since we're ending it on this subject. That'd Although I have a thousand of these to choose from, so I'm going to go with uh, the second verse of a song called "Devils of Digital" that just uh, dropped. I don't know, a couple months ago. Something. So it says like this: <clears throat> Super subliminal criminal devils of digitals do more than tapping your phone. Flipping them triggers, them colors, symbols, or messages hidden in frequency tones. Them winded opinions on wars and religions and politricisms and views of the globe are lacking in wisdom. Just media spending the fiction you think are the thoughts of your own. History books you rely upon written by Babylon made up of styrofoam bones. True hypnotism within television were mentally programmed and privately owned. Putting offenses, rewarding pretentiousness, media made music breaking the code. This is for vengeance. They all in the flesh while the true artist's essence exists in the soul. I'll leave it at that. Nice, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Peace and love. This is Azim, A-Z-E-E-M, uh, thepoetazim.com for now, but we're changing that soon. And uh, yeah, look for my album. The latest release was uh, Broken Puppets with Ancient Astronauts. And please look for The Misfit King coming soon. It's a novel and um, you're going to love it. It's all these stories and dim sum. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank One you. love. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.